Um, we are on a series on the book of Romans, and we are going through that and taking different portions of the scripture and just kind of looking at what is God saying, what was God saying to the church then, and what is God saying to us now? And, um, you know, in, in the book of Romans, it's a letter that Paul wrote. Uh, many think he was in um, Corinth. And he was writing the letter at the time to them. And it would just be like if uh, there was somebody writing us a letter here um, to the church of Vancouver saying, hey, I know you guys are dealing with this. I know this is happening and wanting to encourage us or wanting to bring unity in different areas. And a lot of times it had to do with things going on in the nation or that area in the culture, different things like that. Um, sometimes it had to do with a belief system. Uh, within that local community. Uh, but in this case, it had a lot to do with the Jews and the Gentiles being in the church together and not maybe getting along, if you will. Um, and uh, so kind of bringing, uh, trying to bring unity. And because the one thing, and so he focuses for the first several chapters on who Jesus is and how each one of us have been sanctified by Christ and how it was Christ's um, uh, sacrifice on the cross that really brings us together. And, and that's exactly the thing because that is what brings unity. I know you think we're all alike, but if you look around the room, you're going to find a couple people that might be a tad bit different than you. Okay? We look different. We act different. Heaven forbid we might smell different. Um, we, we, we enjoy different music, we have different hobbies, we have all these differences, but we're still the body of Christ. And God wants us to be unified, and so that's what, um, uh, what, what we're, we're looking at here. So we're in chapter 12, and uh, here about two weeks ago, Pastor Bob focused on the first couple verses, and just looking at us being, well, like one of his main points was us being um, a, being the burnt ones. And it was about being a sacrifice in that we are putting our whole selves on the altar. That you don't, uh, with the burnt offering, you didn't just take part of the offering and, and put it on the altar. You put the entire thing on the altar. And that, that it would be consumed as a sweet aroma for God. And you and I are to put our entire selves in front of Christ and say, Lord, I want you to use all all of me. I want to open up all of myself for you to come and do what you want to do in and through me. Then last week, uh, Tamar spoke on our gifts and how we are to steward our gifts. Every single one of us in this room has been given gifts and have been given resources and ways of thinking. And those things aren't on accident. They're on purpose. And it's our job to steward those things and to use them for God's glory. And so today, um, our, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. And the, um, the title is Love in Action. And um, really putting action to love. And that it's not just something we talk about. Love isn't just something on one of those cardboard signs above the toilet in the restroom. Or it's not something that, you know, you, you, you talk about on different occasions. But love needs to be in action. It's part of our everyday life in the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we, we think, the way we act in going at it that way. So now as we go through this, I want to give you guys a question to consider. And we're, we're doing these every week for two main reasons. One 
to think through, Lord, how can I be different this week based off of what I heard today? What do you, how do you want to challenge me? What do you want to do? And so to be thinking about this, also as we gather in community, this is a, a something that you guys can share with each other is this is how I felt challenged. This is what I, uh, what I felt Holy Spirit said to me. Because many times what this question, the answer to the question isn't actually in my words. Because you're not asking what does Pete think I should do? No, Lord, what are you, God, what are you saying to me? And this is about you and Holy Spirit meeting and having this conversation. So the question is this, who is God calling you to honor? But here's the special part, in the way he honors them. So not in the way you and I would desire to honor them, not in the way that you and I believe they deserve to be honored, but in the way that he honors them. And how is he asking you to bring them honor? And so really looking at that. So we're going to read through this, and then we'll kind of go through verse by verse here. Verse 9. Again, this is Romans 12, verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So let's look at this. We're going to start in uh, verse 9, verse 9 and 10. It says, love must be sincere. Now that that love there is talking about an agape love. It's a self-sacrificial love. That's not something that you and I naturally do. That's not the way we typically love because it's giving something to somebody and... um, not expecting anything in return. It's laying down my life. It's, it's, it's what Christ did for each one of us. So love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. That hate is about getting away. It's, it's, it's leaving it. it. It's running away from it and clinging to what is good. You know, I, I grew up in the church and there was a lot of do's and don'ts that were said. And it was a, a lot, kind of during that time, there was a lot of just this is the way you live. And it was kind of like, well, why do I live that way? It's just the way you live. And so I became a really great legalist where things were very clear, black and white, and there was a line, 
and on this side of the line was sin, and somehow on this side of the line was, was fine. And so what did I do? I got as stinking close to the line as I possibly could be, thinking that somehow it made me more righteous. Here's the deal. My motive was the same, whether I was standing right here or I was standing right here. So maybe there wasn't one little action I didn't take, but what was going on inside of me and all of that was exactly the same. I wasn't obeying the heart of what Christ was after. And so what was I doing? I wasn't trying to get away from it. I was seeing how close can I get without getting a consequence? How close can I get without feeling guilty? But instead, it really is, how can I get away from it and how can I cling to what is good? How can I hold on to what is good and, and get as close to God? Not how close can I get over here and still call myself a Christian and still call myself a believer, but how do I run away from that? So hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love. That love is a brotherly love. It's a brotherly affection. It's, a, it, it, it's, it's in, in like a friendship way. And they, they use the word even Philadelphia as, you know, the city of brotherly love. It's that kind of love. Honor one another above yourselves. I don't know about you, but that's difficult uh, for me. You know, I was, one example is when I'm serving something up at my house and my wife and I are going to, are going to eat something and so we order pizza and cut it up and we have different slices and I take two slices and I put them on the plate I'm now faced with a dilemma I'm either honoring myself or I'm honoring her because one of those slices is going to have just a few even if it's one more olive or one more piece of sausage it's just a tad bit better tomorrow night's favorite pizza is pepperoni jalapeno and pineapple okay well I order that because I want the jalapeno and I want the pineapple on the piece, but it doesn't mean that the way they cut it, that every, every piece has the same amount. So I'm faced with the dilemma. What piece do I give her? I can tell you what piece I want to give her. It's the piece that I don't want to have. But when we honor each other above ourselves, we look at that and say, you know what? This has so much more. I want to give it to you. Because I want to put you above my own personal gain. That's honoring each other above ourselves. Here, verse 11 through 13. Never be lacking in zeal. You know, that zeal is talking about don't, be, don't just give, don't be half-hearted. Don't just give part of yourself. Don't hold it back. No, go after it completely. Give God everything that you have. Give him all of your energy. Give him all of your passion. Give him everything. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. You know, prayer, remember, it is a communication between you and God. It's a dialogue. It's a conversation. It's something you can do in your car. It's something you can do walking. It's something you can do in the bathroom. It's something you can do at work. You can do it all the time. And it's a conversation. But you know, for myself, when I'm faithful in my conversation with God, I have more patience, I have more joy, and I have more hope. When my prayer life goes down, my conversation with God goes down, all of a sudden, my joy goes down with it. My patience goes way down with it. My hope goes way down with it. 
So if I want those things in my life, we got to keep up on that conversation. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Now here, you know, Paul is writing to the church. So he's not just writing a letter, you know, that was going to get mailed out to every single person that lives in Rome. Okay, so he wasn't, he was talking to the church. So we could look at this and say, you know, what is, so this is just about you and I, when we come in this building or when we call ourselves City Harvest, this is how we're to relate to one another. Or maybe we're saying as Christians in, in Vancouver and in Clark County, this is how we're to relate to each other. But this really doesn't have to do with my neighbor or my coworker because they're not part of the church. Well, I disagree with that. Because when you and I allow love to become active in our life, in the way we treat one another, we become hospitable. We put one another um, ahead of ourselves, it changes our character. And we don't just operate that way with each other, but we operate th that way with everyone else. And that's actually the way that people are supposed to know that we're Christ followers. It's not the little bumper sticker on your car. It's not the cross hanging from your neck. It's not that you carry around a Bible at all times, and so people are like, oh, that must be a Christian. They got a Bible in their hand. No, it's our love for one another. It's that we begin to act like Christ. So here, verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know, right there, peace, we can't force peace. We were never called to be a peace forcer. We are called to be a peacemaker, and we make peace. Now, some of that depends on you and I, because we have to be able to, uh, we have to realize that sometimes we're going to be making peace, but it doesn't mean that's what we're going to get in return. So when all possible, as far as it depends on us, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. You know, this is the opposite. God's, you know, we talk about God's economy, God's kingdom. It's upside down. In our minds, you know, what we learn on the playground, what we learn just, man, if any of you have had kids and were when you were a kid, anyone, you're, you're there and uh, instantly you learn how to take. Or you learn that if they take something of yours, you take something of theirs and you stare at them. You don't have to teach a kid that. It just naturally comes out. And that's how we are with each other. And, and we think we have to one-up one another. So we, we have competitions in our workplace where, well, I got to put myself in front of this person so I get the promotion and they don't. Or, you know, if any of you were dating somebody and, you know, it's like, man, you're all kind of in the run-in for this person. And so, you know, how do I get myself in the front line? Or, you know, whatever it is, we're always trying to outdo one another. But in God's kingdom, it's flipped upside down. And so in this way, when someone does something mean to you, when Tamar and I got married, this is not how we lived our life. First several years of our marriage, one of us would go here with an insult. Let me tell you, the other one went here. And the other one then said, oh yeah? 
And it was like a poker game. We just kept one-anning each other until we were all in. Well, when you're all in in a fight, it's not a good scenario. Okay? So, but God's calling us to do exactly the opposite. To not rise above. I, I got this t-shirt, and um, it's two people. And one of them has four arrows in their back. The other one's holding a bow and has a quiver with other arrows. The idea is the one with the bow and the arrows shot it into the person. This person isn't going and picking up another bow. Oh, yeah? Watch what I can do. No, the person is saying, I'm going to embrace you. I forgive you. Even with the arrows sticking in their back. It still hurts. There's still pain in it. But it's not our job to revenge. It's not our job to one-up each other. It's our job to show kindness, to show love, to show forgiveness. Why? Because each one of us was forgiven. We're treating, we need to treat each other in the same way that God is currently treating us, in the way that Jesus embraces us. Here he says in verse 20 and 21, on the contrary, if your brother, uh, uh, if your enemy is hungry, Feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. You know, for myself, there are many times where I see somebody that maybe has been a little bit mean to me, kind of been a bully, and uh, or somebody who has a, what I would consider a total different view than me, and I see something kind of go wrong in their life, and I'm thinking, now they're going to see the separation between the righteous and the unrighteous. And I'm kind of like, you know, that's kind of cool that that's happening. Instead of, how can I go relieve that pain? How can I go and serve that? How can I go and love that? So when our enemy is hungry, we don't think, I'm glad you're hungry. Because you're finally going to hit the bottom and you're going to realize that Jesus is Lord. No, we go and we feed him. We bless him. That's how God came to us. He came and he met us in that moment. He came when we didn't deserve it. And he still offered it. This has been one of my favorite verses of all time. It says, in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Let me tell you, growing up, when I discovered this verse, I forget how old I was. I think I was a teenager, though. I thought this is the best thing in the entire world. Finally, there is a verse where I can be obedient to God and I can still one-up and get revenge on somebody. There's not many of those verses. It's hard to find that. But I mean, it's saying, listen, by being kind, you're putting burning coals on their head. There's a lot of people I would like to put burning coals on their head. And it's so cool that now I actually get like a Christian merit badge because I'm being kind as I'm also sticking it to them. But you know, that's not the motive behind it. That's not how Christ treats us. The idea is we can trust in God. We can trust in his sovereignty. We can trust in him to handle those things. That's not our job. Our job is to focus on being who God called us to be. Our job is to represent Jesus. That the same Jesus that came and has represented himself to us, the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness he's given us, that we then go and offer that same to others. Here at the very end, do not become, or do not, uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
What a powerful thing if you and I as individuals, if we as a church uh, a community, as a church family, man, let's go even a little bigger than that. As Christians, if we could be known as people that aren't overcome by evil, and we don't try to get back, but we overcome evil with good. We overcome it with love. We overcome it with, with kindness. We overcome it by being who God's been to us. So again, looking at this, right now, this, this, question, this question to consider. So I asked it, as I read it, you think through, maybe it's a family member who, man, they wronged you. They slandered you. And so you've, you've, you've alienated them. Maybe it's a, an old friend that you guys were best friends for years and they did something to you that hurt deep. You have arrows still to this day stuck in your back that hurt. Maybe it's a coworker that just never seems, it is like they got a, a gun out and you are in the, the, the crosshairs of their sights and they are aiming right at you. And it's like no matter, you switch departments and it's like they move over there. They're constantly slandering your name. They're doing this. And so then you're like, man, I'm gonna try to be kind. So then you, you move over here and it's somehow like they're just chasing after you. Maybe it's a neighbor that, that man, they, they constantly park in front of your house. They're always loud. They, they, they get up too early. They go to bed too late. Their animals are always all over your yard. They're, they're you know, I'm going to stop there. But all sorts of stuff takes place. We're not thinking about the people that are easy. So ask yourself, who is God calling you to honor? But not just to give them something. You know, um, in here, when it talks in verse 14, bless those who persecute you. That blessing isn't just about going and buying somebody a gift card, you know, for 20 bucks to the one restaurant you can't stand. So that then again, you can get that Christian merit badge because I gave somebody a gift. But yet, you know, and it's like, well, good. Finally, you know, got that over with. I blessed them. Now I don't have to worry about it. No, this blessing, what it means here is it's actually meaning that you're going and you're talking good about them. That means when their name comes up in your workplace, when their name comes up in the family, you don't sit there and say, oh, well, or sometimes what we do is we, we like, oh, I'm gonna, well, I'm going to bite my tongue on this one. I, I probably shouldn't disclose what I know. And we still get our point across that we don't like the person. This blessing is we build them up. You know, each one of us, you know, Tamar mentioned last week that there's no grandchildren in the kingdom of God. Because every single one of us is God's son or daughter. And we can get excited about that in the church gathering like this. But even the people that aren't in here are God's son and daughter. And we're called to show them the same affection we would show family. And so thinking through, who is God calling you to honor in the way he honors them? And how is he asking you to bring them honor?